Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Well, hi, everyone. Let's try it again. Hi, everyone. We're so glad you're here. Man, worship was so good. Julian, my man, thanks for doing that. That was awesome. And uh, once again, I'm really glad you're here. To all of our family watching online, maybe listening online, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, We love you. And I just am so thankful for what God's doing in our church these days. I'm truly thankful for the community that God is bringing together. We have so many amazing people here. So yeah, I love you guys. We're so thankful. Um, for each and every one of you. Well, as you probably already know, we are doing a series called The Art of Living. So to begin, everyone say The Art of Living. And we're talking about the Creator and His creatives, meaning we're talking about God and you. We're talking about your life and what God wants to do with it. And today I've titled this message, Don't Miss the Opportunity. Don't miss the opportunity. And, And I wonder how many of you have ever missed an opportunity in your life? Anybody missed an opportunity? Yeah, we all miss them time to time. Thankful we're giving many, many opportunities through life. But one thing I've noticed about the opportunities that God gives us is that we have the tendency to be afraid of those sometimes. Maybe we're unsure of them because the opportunities that God gives us to make our lives better don't always look so much better right off the bat. You know what I'm talking about? They may not look better right off the bat, but it takes faith to start creating with God because there's a patience and endurance to continue to create because we don't ever know what he's creating when we start creating with him. Like he's doing more than we think. It's kind of like when I sit down with my son, Grayson, and we start creating with a bunch of Legos out on the table. We don't know what we're about to create. We start putting pieces together and we don't know where it's headed, but there is a story that's happening. Are you with me? And so here's the thing. I want to talk about how creation really works. And a good place to start today is in the beginning, um, meaning Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. It doesn't get much more beginning than that, right? And so here we go. You guys ready to go? You guys ready to jump in? Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I could stop right there, right there. That's all on screen. But I'm going to read just a little bit more. It says, now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was covered over. You've probably heard this before. was over the surface of the deep. The spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Now, if we didn't know the whole story and we stopped right there, we'd say, well, light was pretty, a pretty amazing creation. Like, great job, God, with the light. Because it's impressive and it helps a lot. But here's the thing. That was just like his first brush stroke, right? Like that, that, that's the first Lego piece. It's, it's the foundational piece and it's very important. However, we have to remember creation is always a story. That God is doing more than one thing. And we have to wait and we have to keep going with the story to get to the best parts. And I think this is going to be a word for somebody today. God is doing something. He started something. He's giving you an opportunity to trust him. But you're going to have to trust him for something better that doesn't look better in the beginning. You're going to have to trust him that he's doing something, that it's a story that he wants to unfold in your life, that just like the light, it is good. And so we're going to talk about this today. 
I want to go back to this first verse. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Let me ask you, who in here is a fan of God's work and his creation? You're a fan of it? Raise your hand if you're a fan of it. Those of you not a fan of it, apparently, like you were pretty hard to please. You didn't raise your hand. God's, yeah, he did all right with creation. I mean, I don't know, maybe someone could have done better. <laughs> I know for me, I often stand back, and I'm probably you do as well, and we stand back and we're overwhelmed at the wonder and awe of creation. Because after creating the light, the story does keep getting better, doesn't it? And I literally dream about visiting what I would call his most creative creations, meaning the most beautiful places in the world. I don't know about you, but I love, I love visiting national parks, seeing beauty and wonder. I, see, I love you know, mountains and oceans and the wonders of the world. And I always think about you know, the seven natural wonders of the world. Uh, you've probably seen these lists. There's the seven ancient wonders of the world, places like the pyramids or the Colosseum in Rome. And, but I like the seven natural wonders because they are literally just pure, yeah, yeah God did that. God did that right there. So I just thought for fun to get us rolling, since we're talking about creation, I'm going to show you the seven natural wonders of the world. We'll go to the first one there. The first one, if you don't know these, I'm sure you do. But this is the Northern Lights, right? Off, obvious, uh, AKA Aurora Borealis. Shows up in the Arctic, around Iceland, Greenland, Canada. Any visitors in the room to see the Northern Lights? Uno? I just see one. Okay, cool. Uh, way to go. Tell us about it sometime. And then also... Number two, the Great Barrier Reef in Australia, the largest coral reef system in the world. Any visitors to the Great Barrier Reef? Okay, I see a couple maybe. Yeah, okay, dose. Um, and then number three, the harbor of Rio de Janeiro. Anybody, any Brazil people in the room that you've seen this before? A couple? Yeah, we've seen this. Apparently it's breathtaking. And uh, Mount Everest is number four. Mount Everest, any visitors to Mount Everest? This is... <laughs> This is, this is literally the largest mountain in the world. It, it's two times bigger than any of the biggest mountains in Colorado. Any visitors to Mount Everest? No takers? Okay, cool. We're doing, we're doing great, guys. And so here's the deal. The, the fifth one is Victoria Falls. Victoria Falls, it's, 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 in, uh, it's in Zambia, Zimbabwe, right on the border. It's the largest waterfall in the world, 5,600 feet wide, 3,000 feet tall. Any Victoria Falls visitors? I see one in the back. This is cool. I think we're going to get a Natural Wonders of the World like cell group together. And we're going to talk about this. All right. And then number six, the Paracutan uh, volcano in Mexico. Uh, and I didn't know a lot about this one, but this one's pretty cool. This is the youngest volcano in the world. Uh, in 1943, it was just a cornfield and then it exploded and it became a 10,000 foot mountain in nine years, which is unreal, right? Any visitors to the Paracutan volcano? Man, I really thought that one would hit, hit it today. Okay. Okay. Drum roll, number seven. It's the Grand Canyon. Any visitors to the Grand Canyon? That's what I'm talking about. Look at all of us world travelers. <laughs> Woo! We are hitting, we are doing good. My guess is we probably visited more Golden Corrals than Natural Wonders, but that's okay. We're going to get better. We're going to get better. What's amazing that is even though those are the top seven, that's, we're like, but I've seen so many beautiful places, right? There are thousands of natural wonders in the world. Last year, our family went to Yosemite National Park, which is like a, which is like a, literally a postcard everywhere you look. And this is literally one of my favorite moments, me and Grayson sitting down here looking at Yosemite Valley. Uh, Karis, my daughter, she looked at it and she said, yeah, uh, great job with that. God. So she said something like that, Look, like, God, you've went and done it again. <laughs> and that's so true, right? 
God keeps doing it again and again, and we can take the wonder and the beauty and the power and the, and the majesty of creation for granted. But it's creation that actually points us to his purpose. And you're like, well, well what do you mean by that? Well, creation groans in worship. You ever heard that before? Creation points us to a creator. And creation cries out to the living God. So really, the wonder around us pushes us towards our purpose and our destiny. I want to keep reading in Genesis about this creation. Genesis 1, 27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. At this point, I'm wondering, did he create them? <laughs> Of all the wonders of the world, humans are actually the ones that are created in his image. And that's huge. God blessed them and said to them, again, I don't want to just keep moving, but he blessed humanity. That's no small detail. His blessing is personal. Be fruitful and increase in number. <clears throat> Fill the earth and subdue it. So just, you know, increase in number doesn't just, it's not a mandate to just go procreate and make a bunch of new fresh babies, although that's not a bad thing. But it's releasing of people to go and create and to build societies and to rule over the earth. Because that's the next thing he says. He says, rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So from the moment of, of creation, God has created humanity to actually create and to work. Shout out to our last series, Every Good Work, right? Genesis 2.15 says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work and take care of it. So in the beginning of recorded human history, God tells man to work the land. What is man doing when he's working the land? Well, he's creating life from the earth, right? So the story begins with Adam and Eve being told to go and cultivate life from the earth. The mandate to cultivate life is the way God orders the world. And this is really important for us to begin this discussion about missing opportunities or creating opportunities or really what we're talking about is creating life. It's really important to start in the beginning. Cultivating life is how God ordered the world. Now cultivating is taking something in its natural state. God created the, the natural wonders of the world. Cre creating some, taking something from its natural state and creating something more with it. So it's arranging, it's organizing something in order to get more out of it. For example, the earliest form of cultivating, the root word of cultivating is culture. The, 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 the original, the earliest form of cultivating was what's called agriculture, right? And so taking the natural state of the earth, organizing it, arranging it, and giving it order and giving it purpose to make the land more useful, cultivating life from the land was, was first, cultivating life in any form was first in creating life from the land, meaning agriculture. This is what Adam and Eve were doing. God put, the, put in the hands of humanity the creative power of life. Are you guys with me? Are you following me? They were creating life from the things he already created. And so we could create life from the natural things, the things that he's already placed in this world. The world moved on from agriculture, didn't it, to other types of cultivating of other things started building societies, building cities. History shows us that cultivating moved beyond just survival to actually cultivating things we enjoy, <laughs> right? Art is an example as we talk about that this, this series. Art was born the creation of, say, fabrics or architecture or, or poetry or song. This, this is something that 
people were given the ability to do. And centuries of cultivating, cultivating life passed on from generation to generation all the way to this day. Examples of explosions in creativity like, for example, the Renaissance uh, in, the, in the eras of the 15th and 16th century, industrial revolution of the 18th century. These were all cultivating periods of life where humans were creating life and making it more ordered, more arranged in order to bring more life, the technical revolution of the 19th and 20th century, all the way to the TikTok revolution of the 21st century. It's just happening. And here's the thing. Here's what I know is that humans create. They always have and always will. So you are a creative no matter what you think about yourself. You see, here's the thing. No, the job, no matter what job you do, your job is actually to stay humble and to stay true to the original call that God has placed on humanity to go and create life from what he's created. It's why our vision as a church is to bring life to our city, right? To bring life to our city by being the church the best way we know how. We want to join God in creating life for the people and places we intersect every day. That's what, who we are. That's what we want to be about. Amen? Yeah. Amen? Are you all with me? Yes. Did, I just, did I just go too historical on you or something? Did I just go too National Geographic? What's going on today? I need you to be with me. Are you all with me? Yeah. All right. So here's what we're created to do, right? Now, we, we are only able to create from what God created, meaning we are the image bearers of the created. We are dependent upon the creator in order to create. God created and it was good. So there is this mandate about the things that we create that God intends for what we're creating to be good. And this is important because sometimes we think in Christianity that the only things that we're supposed to create are supposed to be these super, super duper spiritual things. But I'm telling you, anything that is good can be spiritual, right? And so this is why I believe we should celebrate the creation of all things that are good. So if you have a business and you are imploring kingdom ethics into that business, we should celebrate that because that's a good thing right? Or if you are studying for your uh, career that's coming up and you're in the work of preparing right now, we can, we can celebrate that because you're about to, uh, you're preparing for good work to come in the future. Or if you are investing in your family and you're saying, I got to figure out how to disciple my kids, we can celebrate that because of course that is good. But you're also, I would say this, if you do, if you do a skill and you offer a good to the world, and you do that to provide for your family and put food on your table and that good is actually helpful for people, we can celebrate that because that's good because that's the work similar to agriculture, right? Where you are organizing, you are, um, you are taking things, putting order to them in order to create life for people. And so we can celebrate all the things we do and we just see God asking us, will you create good for me? So the work of creating is actually so ingrained in God and the nature of God that we see it actually full scale in Jesus, but it's very, very easy to miss. Here's the thing. The Bible gives us very little detail about the life of Jesus before the age of 30. But in Mark 6, verse 3, we learn that he was known among those in his hometown as a carpenter. Most of us know this. Mark 6, verse 3 says, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Now, it's assumed by basically every theologian that Jesus did not participate in any form of public ministry before the age of 30. There's no junior high Jesus out there, you know, performing miracles. It didn't happen. And so here's the thing. 
The moment that marked the beginning of Jesus' ministry was, of course, whenever he was baptized and the Holy Spirit came down and descended upon him. And at that point, it was on like Donkey Kong, like he took the world by storm because he had the power of the Holy Spirit, right? So here's the thing. What was going on, though, before that moment? Do you ever wonder about 23-year-old Jesus? Because I love the way this guy named Jordan Rayner writes it in a book called Called to Create. He says, God himself came to earth as a human and spent 85% of his life working and leveraging his skill set of running a small business. Jesus loves small business Saturday, right? Like he just does. He's all about it. So we can make the logical assumption that he is doing the work of a carpenter until this time of his, of his public ministry. In fact, the original language, the word for carpenter was tecton. Tecton. Everyone say tecton. I love that word, tecton. It's like, the, it's like the original tech company. You know what I mean? Like Silicon Valley doesn't have anything on Galilee kind of thing, right? And so in fact, some believe that the word tecton didn't just mean carpenter. It's better, it's better translated as builder. And so Jesus was a builder. He was a carpenter. He was working with wood and other materials to create goods for people right? It's odd to consider Jesus as a 23-year-old man negotiating bids, securing supplies, completing projects, and contributing to the family living expenses. It's kind of odd to think about Jesus that way, but this is what he was doing. He was an entrepreneur. He was an artisan. He was a craftsman, a builder. He was a worker. He was a creative. And clearly for the three years of his ministry is actually what God used to change the entire history of humanity and the world. However, it can't go unnoticed it can't go unnoticed or unrealized that for about 20 years of Jesus's life, he settled in and demonstrated God's love for this mandate to work and create life that is good. Tecton, he was a builder, a creative. And here's the thing about Jesus, though. When he started his public ministry, he moved from builder of goods and things. He moved from carpenter and creator of products to builder, of course, of God's kingdom and life in people. He was creating new life in people. This is what he starts doing. Similar, similar work, but different emphasis, of course. Jesus was constantly offering, and this is where I want us to, to lock in today. Jesus was constantly offering the opportunity for people to experience more life. So he was creating, but he was actually creating life. He was creating life. And think about his ministry. It was an invitation after invitation to people to enter a new life. It was a fresh start after a fresh start, no matter how many fresh starts they had had before. It was, oh, you failed? Well, here, let's start again. Let's start again. I want you to repent and believe. He was always inviting people into new life. And I'll show you what I mean. It starts right at the beginning of his ministry, by the way, Matthew chapter 4. It says, as he, meaning Jesus, walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. So this was the first time that Jesus called disciples, and he asked them to follow him. And Jesus looked at these fishermen, and he said, hey, I want to change your story. I want to offer you something new, and I want you to... I want you to go create some new life with me, and I'm going to have to ask you to fish for people. He looked at these fishermen and said, follow me, and he offers them a new opportunity. This is what he does, right? He was building and inviting these men to come and create life with him. Or how about, I mean, I can go through a lot of examples, but think about just a few. The woman at the well, right? Jesus doesn't condemn her like every other religious person had. Jesus invites her 
and offers her living water. So Jesus is doing the work of tecton. He's actually building, he's creating something in this person's life. Think about Bartimaeus, the blind man, right? Remember when Jesus came to, Jesus heard him cry out for help. Bartimaeus says, please help me. Jesus comes to him and says, what do you want me to do for you? Think about that question. What do you want me to do for you? It's a crazy question, right? But he's creating life. He's actually creating a new opportunity for this man to experience a fresh start. And so this man says, of course, I want to see. So Jesus heals him. He creates new life with him because this is what Jesus does. He creates life. Think about the example with Peter. Peter, of course, he had denied Jesus three times. We know this story. I'm not going to go through it again and again. But if you don't know it, he denies Jesus three times. He's, he, he, he hurts Jesus. I mean, it, it inflicted pain upon Jesus. But then it also filled Peter with shame. Peter was supposed to be his rock, but he had failed. He had fallen flat on his face in failure, filled with shame. And Jesus comes to him in John chapter 21, and he, and he restores Peter. And he says, hey, hey, Peter, do you love me? Peter's like, of course I do. He says, then, then I want you to go and take this new opportunity. I want you to step back into who you've been called to be, who you've been created to be. And he says, I want you to go build my church. Will you go do this? Will you follow me? Will you go do what I'm calling you to do? And he gives them a fresh start, right? And here's the thing. Jesus was always giving new opportunities, fresh starts to people, but not everybody took him up on this offer. Didn't always happen. There was a lot of rejection of what Jesus' invitation was. There was a lot of rejection of the opportunities he created. We know a few of those stories that are really, really specific. You guys remember the story of the rich young ruler, right? Well, this happens in, uh, what is it? Matthew 19, verse 16. He says, and I'll just read this part of the story. Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Again, we're talking about life. Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this, they, he went away sad because he had great wealth. What is that? I mean, that, that, that doesn't even make sense. I had great wealth. Uh -huh. And so there's more to this story. We're not going to get into too much. But the man walked away from Jesus' invitation. It says because he had great wealth. So this man must have believed that his life was actually in wealth. So when he asked, hey, how do I get life? Jesus answers the question, hey, it's actually given away with the things that you think I have life. He says, no, 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 that is my life. I can't give that away because that's what I believe life is. And Jesus said, well, I thought you just asked me about life. And then I told you, yeah, 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 but can you tell me something else? Because I don't like your answer. How many of us do that? How many of us say, Jesus, can you do this for me? And then he says, yeah, but I need you to do this. And you say, but I didn't ask to do that. And he said, but I didn't, I did. and then this becomes a thing, right? And then it becomes this thing between you and the Lord, and it just doesn't usually go all that well. So there's more to the story. He walks away sad. Now, just so you know, Jesus isn't asking all of us to give away all our possessions, but he is saying there's no other source of life except through me. And so he's like, hey, if you think life is in something else, it's just not. And so I'm going to take the thing that you think life is in, and I'm going to tell you to give it away. I'm going to tell you to surrender it. I'm going to tell you to lay it down. And if you can't lay it down, then you are putting your eggs in the basket of something other than me. So Jesus had this interaction also, though, with the Pharisee named Nicodemus, didn't he? Jesus explained the truth to him, explained to him about the new life born of the Spirit and how he would find life in God no other way except through, through, through Jesus and through the Spirit that God was going to do. And, and this Pharisee, now Nicodemus... There's no, there's no evidence that, that says that Nicodemus actually accepted this invitation, this opportunity from Jesus. 
Uh, and we know that Nicodemus had a, a lot of great power because he was a Pharisee. So he must have seen the cost of following Jesus to be too high because he had this position and this power. And he thought, man, if I lay that down, I don't think I'm going to have life anymore. That all my meaning and my purpose is found in that power and position. And he walked away from Jesus' invitation. So we see these examples of people walking away from it. And here's, here's the deal. I'm going to show you something today. This next picture. I want to talk about the blank canvas and paint by numbers. And if you know me, I've been talking about this for a long time. Maybe 15 years ago, I began illustrating this tension between the blank canvas and a paint by numbers life. And over the, over the years, God keeps showing me more with it. So even today, I'm going to share things that I've never shared before. But it keeps de deepening this picture of life that I feel like God wanted me to specifically share with you today. Because some of you are at this crossroads. And here's the thing. You see, God creates us with this endless possibility to go and create life with him. And the story of creation is still building. The story that started in Genesis is actually still building. It's like he's still putting the Lego pieces together. It's not done. We don't know what he's creating. It might not feel better, but it is better. And so Jesus comes along and he offers us what I call blank canvas opportunities to create with God. The blank canvas opportunities come and they are truly these spiritual moments that you have in life calling you to trust God instead of trusting the things of the world like wealth and power. So those are the two things that they said no to, right? Rich Young Euler said no to wealth. Nicodemus said no to power. And with every blank canvas moment, there's another option available to us. And it sits right beside the blank canvas. And it starts, and it starts with these opportunities um, where Jesus is offering us a blank canvas, but there's another option available to us. We'll get to that in a minute. I just want to say this about blank canvas moments. They are not always, just so you know, these life-altering choices that calls us to move across the world or change our career. They might be huge and and sweeping things across your life, but often they are just one brushstroke at a time. And sometimes it's a blank canvas of a fresh start and how you raise your children. Maybe it's how you lead others around you. Maybe it's how you think about your money. Jesus invites us into opportunities to create more life with him instead of trying to slug it out on our own. And so, like I said, sitting beside every blank canvas moment is another option, what I call the paint by numbers project. And so paint by numbers says this, just so you know. Listen, first of all, it's, it's, there's a bunch of expectations, things to do, all these boxes to check to actually live the life the right way in 21st century America. And paint by numbers gives you all the check boxes. It says live in this neighborhood to be happy, buy these things to feel important, go to these places to have fun, get ready for it, coach your kids in sports, teach them how to have good careers, but neglect discipling them. That's, a, that's one. Prioritize work, neglect, rest, elevate sports, reduce church, worship created things instead of the creator. See, this is, this is what the paint by numbers says. And, and I'm shocked by my own tendency to default to a paint by numbers way of life. And I know you are too, because here's the thing. We all struggle with those things, but God is saying something else. You see, paint by numbers takes our cues from the expectations of others it takes our cues from the expectations of our friends, our family, our coworkers, Instagram, our college professor, our, our perception of what the world says is the right way to live. And so it's the tendency to, have, to want in life the life that we are told is the good life. So we start painting that life for ourselves. In fact, all of our, all of our endeavor actually goes towards painting a life that we think is what we're told to want to live. And most of us aren't really spending all that much energy thinking about what is God telling me to do. We're thinking more about what is everybody else telling me to do. 
And so we live through the paint by numbers expectations. We want little numbered buckets of paint telling us exactly how to shade our life so we can end up with some sort of painting that resembles art, but it really isn't art. It doesn't take any skill. It just takes following a prescription. And yes, you will paint a life, but it's not necessarily the life you were, invi- you were invited by Jesus to discover. I just want to say this. Just because you're successful in life and in this world doesn't mean you're painting the right life. You can be successful and make money and you can have good favor and circumstances. That doesn't mean you're going to be satisfied and feel significant and feel like you're living the life you were called to live. And so here's the thing. You see, the blank canvas is about faith, discovery, creating new life with God. I keep saying one Lego at a time, right? Faithfully creating as you go. And the uncertainties of the blank canvas, and I'm going to get into this a little bit more, it can feel a little bit scary because we don't know what we're creating all the time. But I'm learning that the opportunity to trust God is actually the opposite of scary. It just takes a while to figure that out. So let's go back to how we started when we were talking about natural wonders and TikTok revolution. You guys remember that? Humans, remember humans create, always have, always will. We create from what God has given us. God gave us land in the beginning and we created life from that. And I just want to say, in the same way, he's given you many wonderful things. He's given you many wonderful talents, compassions, cares. He's given you the way you think that's unlike anybody else, the skills that you have, the spiritual gifts that he's given you, the family that you have, the blessings you've been given, the resources, the position, the job, the favor. He's given you so many things You are a truly natural wonder of his creation. And he wants to create more life from the life that he's given you. He told Adam and Eve, I want you to go create life from what I'm giving you. And he's telling you, I want you to go create life from what what I've given you, not go pursue a life of the things I've not given you. And so many of us try and seek a life of the things we don't have instead of looking at what we do have and saying, God... Let's keep this story going. Today, I'm calling those moments in life, right, that Jesus gives us opportunities for fresh starts all the time. He gives us opportunities to create life. I'm calling these sort of blank canvas opportunities, but it also could be be called a a new opportunity, a fresh perspective, a breakthrough, a spiritual awakening, a God-honoring dream, a renewal of your mind, a resetting of your priorities. It's all the same thing, right? It's you getting clarity about who you are. And who you are not. See, one of the key questions in my life is, who am I becoming? Who am I becoming? And one of the follow-up questions to that for me has always been, and do I like who I'm becoming? Because sometimes I have to answer that question and go, you know what? I'm becoming someone that I don't believe God's called me to be. And i got to do something about that. I want you to determine the opportunity God is giving you to trust him. The opportunity he's provoking in your heart to create life. So I have a question to kind of close with today. It's a simple question. But we need to trust all that God has given us to arrange and organize and cultivate more life. So this is the question for us. What is the opportunity God is giving you to create life? It's a very simply worded question, but it's actually a pretty profound, deep question for you today. What is the opportunity God is giving you to create life? Maybe, maybe it's to drop everything and follow him with a dream. I know that's, that's the big sometimes thing we think about. What's the life-altering decision? But maybe it's not that big. 
Maybe it's an idea to establish a discipleship plan for your kids. Maybe it's an opportunity to create a new commitment to go learn more about yourself. Maybe you need to go to counseling because you're like, I just need that in my life. Maybe it's to look for a new job. Maybe it's to get a new attitude about your current job. What's the blank canvas opportunity saying, you know what, maybe it's a fresh perspective. It's a fresh start for you today. I want to create new life with you, but it's going to take you stepping into this opportunity I'm giving you, this clarity, this moment, this whatever it is. Maybe he's been speaking, about, speaking to you about it for months, years. I don't know. Maybe it's going to come to you today and you go, this is the opportunity that God is calling me to create life with. Maybe it's a chance to change your rhythm or routines. Maybe it's to get serious about growing your faith. Maybe it's to get involved in a church like this or to get intentional about your leadership. There's so many things it could be. Or maybe it's to get a mentor. Maybe it's to be a mentor or to to work less and rest more or to work smarter. (laughs) Or maybe it's to be more generous, trust him, reconcile a relationship. Maybe it's to do something big like adopt or foster kids or or calling to take a a risk with your business and to trust God with it. I mean, the list could go on and on. There's so many different types of opportunities. It's just one step at a time, but he's creating something. It's a blank canvas opportunity to say, hey, don't, don't just do what everybody says to do. I have something for you. And my point is Jesus is always working. He's always building. He's always creating opportunities for you and me to create life, to create more good for ourselves and for others. It's not the same life outcomes of a paint-by-number project or an American life kind of mindset. It's kingdom building. It's tecton at its purest form. Remember, this message is called Don't Miss the Opportunity, right? Don't miss the opportunity. This, This week, this week I felt like God kind of gave me a word that he wanted to impress in my heart. And... And I really prayed if it was something that I needed to share today. And, uh, and, I, and I think it is. And the word was just simply this. The window of opportunity will close if you don't act on the things I've prompted in you. It doesn't sound that crazy, but the window of opportunity will close if you don't act on the things I've prompted in you. You see, for me, I felt led by the Lord to step into opportunity, but I usually pause before I step. Maybe I'm afraid of the risk. Maybe I don't have all the answers. Maybe I don't know really what is the next step after that. Maybe I've paused because of fear or because of effort required or because of procrastination and that's just what we do, right? But I felt God impress on my heart. Once again, I'll say it. The window of opportunity will close if you don't act on the things I've prompted in you. Can you just imagine if The disciples, when Jesus said to them, when he was calling them to become fishers of men, could you imagine if they said, and that's a really great idea, Jesus. Can you just give me a few weeks to pray on that? (laughs) And then those few weeks turn into a year, right? Because then we just keep praying, like, should I do this thing that God, I feel like God's calling me to? So what we do is we cycle in prayer instead of obey. And so here's the thing, I love prayer. And I've been saying this for a couple weeks, I love prayer. But sometimes God wants us to go create, not wait. It's time to go and do what he's called us to do. It's time to actually start putting effort in with God to create the life that he's called us to live. 
instead of procrastinating, stopping in fear, weighing our options, asking Jesus, well, how's this gonna work financially if I drop my nets and follow you? Perhaps there's just something a little bit real about what I'm saying for your circumstances in life. I'm not telling you to go change a career. I'm saying the most radical things aren't necessarily um, you know, moving across the world to be a missionary, although that can be radical. Sometimes the most radical things to do are to change up the minutes of your day because here's the truth, here's the truth. God wants you to follow him through the minutes of your day, not for minutes of your day. And I'm just saying, like, that's what I'm, I'm starting to learn is like literally lordship and followership is about literally one step at a time, continuing to keep my eye on the prize, to keep my eye focused on the things he's called me to be and to go and create with him versus create for myself. Because I start creating the life that everybody else expects of me, I start finding myself feeling more and more isolated, lonely, and selfish. Because then I'm creating a life that I wanna experience instead of a life that I was really created to live. And if you don't take the hard time, the, the, the real time to, to ask the hard questions about God, am I doing this? If you don't ask yourself questions like this, what is the opportunity, God, you're giving me to go and create life? If you don't spend the time and work those things through in your heart, you're gonna default you're going to default to a paint-by-numbers life. It's just the way it goes. The window of opportunity will close if you don't act on the things that are prompted in you. So I hope that this question, what is the opportunity God has given you to create life? I hope that you'll think on it, not just today, but in the days ahead. And it may be a big piece or a small piece in his grand story that he wants to do in you, but I know it's a piece and I hope that you'll spend some time even today searching your heart to answer this question. So I want to pray. I want to pray over you. Would you just bow your heads? And before I pray, just listen to these words that I want to speak over your life. Just, just think on this. We can't allow the limited worldview of power and wealth to stop us from experiencing the life that God really wants for us. Through his creation, he's given you all you need to create life to the full and life beyond the natural. Listen to this, this encouragement to you, just receive it. This has been said many times over the years, but he wants to put super on your natural. You know what I'm saying? Or perhaps more appropriately today, he wants to put the wonder in your natural because you are a natural wonder of his creation. You are the most creative of his creations. Heavenly Father, we, we come to you, creator of heavens and the earth. We do say, hallowed be your name. We do pray your kingdom come, your will be done. And Holy Spirit, we ask right now in this moment that you to come and to prompt in us the things that you put in our heart. So just think on this for a moment. Consider for a moment, what is the opportunity God has given you to create life? Chances are, I'll just say this, if you really think about it, God is giving us opportunities every day, all day long to go and create life. But I want you to think about this. It's not, this isn't just sowing seeds for the kingdom. I'm asking you a more specific question. Is there an opportunity or a conviction he's put in your heart that he's calling you to be, to do, to trust him with, to surrender to? Is there an opportunity that you feel a special tug to? This could be in your family, your career, your relationships. 
if this morning you would say, I just want prayer for this opportunity that maybe God has put in my heart as a way of just acknowledging to the Lord today that you're, you're, you are know that he has something for you. Would you just ra raise your hand? I'm going to say a prayer over everybody in this room that raises their hand. Just raise your hand if you're like, there's an opportunity, a fresh start, a new beginning, a blank canvas of some type that I, I, I need prayer about. Just lift your hand. Go ahead. You know, I pray and hope that every one of us could raise our hand at some point to that question because I believe God is always giving us opportunities. So, Father, I pray a tidal wave of trust to rush through this room. I pray that along with trust is always obedience. And so, Father, I pray that we will be obedient to your word and to your spirit. I pray for a type of trust and obedience that is life-giving and freeing, not one of clenched hands, but one of open hands. I pray over businesses today. I pray over careers. I pray over households believing for a fresh start. I pray over broken hearts who feel alone. I pray over ambition streams. I pray over people, Father, that need life right now. And I just pray sort of like that Peter moment for anybody that feels like they've failed. I pray that there would be a restoration today for new fresh starts and new opportunities, maybe trust in them, even when they don't align with what the world may recommend for us. Father, I pray a fresh deposit of your encouragement and power in us to pursue who you've called us to be. We pray this in your holy name and everybody said, amen. We're gonna worship and this altar's open. And here's the thing, I actually feel like God can stir people up for the crossroads you may find yourself at in life or the things that he wants to call you to. And so if you just need to come and pray, this altar's open. We even have prayer team here. But let's just be a time of response, not just one more worship song. It's a time of responding to what God is doing in our heart. So would you stand with us as we sing? We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.